In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Pray to God who is in secret, and God who sees in secret will reward you. What strange words. These words sound especially strange to me. They may sound strange to you, given the culture we live in. What's good about secrecy? So often we do everything we can to avoid secrecy. Secrecy in financial dealings causes all kinds of problems, and so we strive for just the opposite. We aim for transparency and clarity. Secrecy in offices can sometimes lead to problems, and so when there are offices that still have doors on them, they usually have windows or the doors are glass, especially if they're offices in a church. And for those who know something about uh, 12-step recovery programs, you know that phrase, we are as sick as our secrets, which is an important reminder that sometimes what remains hidden or unaddressed can often emerge at another time in destructive or compulsive ways. Of course, there are plenty of scriptures that remind us to let our light shine and shout for joy, to be anything but hidden with our faith and our love for God. Tonight's scriptures suggest something else. We just heard Jesus say, go into a room and shut the door. Don't look overly religious on the street corners and in places of worship. In other words, kind of do everything you can to live in a kind of spiritual down low. In other words, secrecy has its place for Jesus. I felt this idea some years ago. In Los Angeles, they built a new Roman Catholic cathedral with with great acclaim. It opened in 2002, and I had read about the architect and the building and some of the art inside. Um, It's a magnificent building, and it has amazing art throughout. From the outside, it, it vaguely looks like adobe architecture and then, you know, sort of enlarged. But once I went inside, I I was a little disappointed. The space left me cold. It's vast, it's huge, it's enormous and bright, but it, it felt to me a little more like an arena or a convention center. Now, I understand that the architecture of that cathedral in Los Angeles reflects much of what 20th century sacred architecture was trying to get at. It was trying to avoid the perpendicular. It wanted to avoid anything that would suggest hierarchy. It it emphasizes the incarnation. And so often it's a church in the round. Contemporary religious spaces often have people looking at each other across an altar rather than looking at the leadership or looking at art or looking upward. It's, it's a different understanding of the way space shapes what we believe. But the thing I felt, sort of felt viscerally in that cathedral 
It's a lovely place, but I, I felt a little too open. I thought, where, where do I pray here? I didn't feel compelled to pray right there in the bright open, in the sunlight, where everybody could see or, or walk by or, or notice what I was doing. I had this overwhelming feeling for a, a secret place, for a side chapel, for, for some dark corner like this church has so many of. Southern writer Walker Percy in his book, The Second Coming, has a a main character, Will Barrett. And Will Barrett is troubled in many ways, but at one point he's troubled about the religions he sees, and especially the Christians he sees. And he, he mounts a critique of this group and that group and another group. And then he says, the main virtue of Episcopalians is their gift for reticence. He goes on to say, seldom can an Episcopalian or an Anglican be taken for a Christian. (laughs) He says, perhaps that's what I like about them, a mystery. Well, I wouldn't agree with all of what he says, but I get his point. Will Barrett, this character, goes on to say that if, if good news is indeed good news, then why are so many Christians so nasty about proclaiming it? (laughs) And so this character, and I think a little bit of the writer, Walker Percy, suggests that maybe it's better sometimes to to soft-pedal the good news. It's better to keep things a little quieter, a little more reticent than to hit people over the head with it. The Oxford movement that we've been studying on Sunday mornings in the Victorian church, the Oxford movement had an entire um, understanding of what they called a a theology of reserve, of, of holding back just a little bit. Now, it makes me sad to think that Episcopalians or Anglicans might not be mistaken for Christians. Don't hear me wrong. But I do wonder when we hear the news or, or go out in public and we see some people in the name of Christ being kind of awful, I don't think we're called to have an even louder volume. I don't think we're called to be even more aggressive and compete with them. But I wonder if perhaps we should play things a tad more secretly. Perhaps we should do what we do with as much faith as possible and then be in touch with people when they overhear us. I think this is a bit of what Jesus is saying in tonight's gospel. He's suggesting not that we deny our faith or or hide it completely, not at all, But I think he is inviting us into a kind of holy secrecy, a kind of hiddenness, an an inward place where we can totally be ourselves and in so doing allow God to be totally God and God to be with us. Throughout the Gospels, there are numerous places where Jesus calls his friends and disciples to do just that, to, to come away. And he calls those places of retreat, those getaways, those hillsides or, or woods or, or, or beach sides, he calls them lonely places. 
Not that one's overcome with loneliness in such a place, but it's, it's a way, it's removed, it's set apart in some way. And there Jesus would gather his friends and disciples and they would pray. They would enter into the midst of God's love for them and for the world. They'd, they'd find new life together. And there they would begin to grow more deeply into God. In this season of Lent before us, I think Christ is inviting us, each of us, to find a secret place or two. It might not literally be a hidden place or a secret place at all, but but I think Christ is calling us to find some place where we can be still, where we can be fully open to God. It might be a few minutes in a room with the door shut, like the gospel suggests. It it might be on the subway with earplugs in. It might be in the park or at your desk or maybe while watching your grandchild. Or perhaps in this season, maybe you're able to get away physically and go to a quiet place, go on a retreat. If we pray to God in secret... We're promised that God will meet us there. And in such a place of God's presence, we'll soon find out that all the various secrets that we might have been carrying inside us will one by one be be gently and lovingly opened to God. God will look at each of our little secrets and help us discern which ones we still need to hang on to and which ones we can throw away. Those secrets that have served us well in the past but have lived out their use, God then helps us throw away, or perhaps we can even imagine them being burned like we burned the palms last night to make ashes for today. At some point or another, you might have played that old game of secrets, sometimes called telephone If you know the game, you know that it involves a group of people sitting in a large circle. Then the first person is whispered a word. And then that person whispers it in the ear of the next. And so on it goes all the way around the circle. I don't know how many times I've played this game growing up, going to youth retreats and and other things. But in every case I can remember, the word that began changes into something totally different. And the word that's said out loud at the very end is another word entirely. It's always different. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's kind of naughty, but it's always different. It's easy to see how this happens with a group of people, I think. You know, when you think about people pronouncing things differently or, or hearing things differently... But a similar thing, I think, happens when we pray to God our secrets. In prayer, we hear God hearing. And in that holy reverberation, we find healing. We are forgiven. We are cleaned and absolved and renewed. May this holy season before us involve some hidden time with God for each one of us so that it might be a time of secrets revealed, shared, and sanctified. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 